Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A pension freeze. Could your employer stop contributing to your company pension? Unemployment insurance, why the costs are rising as fast as the claims, and new ways to improve your returns on cash savings. All of this to come in this week's omnibus edition of the FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent. I'll be getting the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form from my colleagues on FT Money, Charlene Goff. Hello. Elaine Moore. Hello. And Steve Lodge. Hello. So let's start then with the money news. This week, FT Money has learned that several large American companies operating in the UK are now thinking about changing the terms of their pension schemes for British employees. General Motors and Morningstar have already stopped making employer contributions to workers' pensions in the States, and they're now consulting on freezing contributions to the occupational schemes they run for staff over here. Now, Elaine, you've been investigating this, uh, and it's a worrying development for anyone who's struggling to save for their retirement right now. It is. We've heard lots of stories about final salary schemes being closed down for employees, but and in their stead we've had these uh, matching contribution schemes set up instead where you put money in and the employer puts money in and at the end of your working life this pot is, has been invested over the years and you receive the income from that. These contribution schemes are now what seem to be targeted by employers. They're looking for cost-saving measures. Now, you've obviously looked at what's happening in the US, where they have a different type of uh, pension scheme which allows employers to suspend their contributions. Is that legally possible in the UK? It's not quite the same in the UK. So this is why the companies haven't actually suspended the contributions they make to employees. And while these discussions are going on with employee representatives, they're still making contributions to the schemes. But a UK employer doesn't have to make a contribution to a pension scheme for an employee. And if a scheme has already been set up, then there are a series of consultations they need to go through with staff that need to last 60 days at least before they make any changes. But in theory, they could stop making contributions and suspend a pension scheme. So let's just talk about the companies that are involved. I've mentioned General Motors, which obviously employs thousands of people. 5,000 in the UK. And also uh, Morningstar, the sort of financial data company. But uh, which other US companies over here? I've spoken to Xerox Europe. They're also having a look at the pension provision that they give to employees. And pension analysts have said that they're not hugely surprised to hear that these sorts of consultations are going on. And they would expect that more employers in the US and here make these sorts of changes. So let's look at the, the damage that this could do. Employer contributions are very important, aren't they, to 
building up that retirement fund. Um, what sort of value uh, are we talking about? Well, what we should say is that any kind of contribution suspension would have a limited lifetime because in 2012 the government has set up this personal account system which means that all employers will have to make a contribution as will employees to a pension fund. So although this news is bad it's it's not going to last forever but even the loss of three years worth of an employer contribution could really add up because of compound interest and because the average amount of employer contribution is about 7.5% of a salary so it's quite big. Um, Watson Wyatt came up with some figures looking at a, a salary of, say, £100,000 for a 45-year-old employee. To lose out on three years of employer contributions, if you add up the interest over the span of a working life, you could lose out on something like 70000 from your eventual pension pot. And presumably, Elaine, with, I mean, with these discussions going on now, this is arguably the worst time to be stopping contributions because, of course, markets are low. So for long-term investors, you know, many advisors would say this is the perfect time to be putting more money in, into a long-term savings scheme. Absolutely. In three years' time, the market could be anywhere, but it could be a lot higher than it is now. And if you're buying at that point back into a pension scheme, that could be devastating for your eventual fund. And Elaine, is there anything that employees can do to stop this happening? There's not. I mean, it's good in a way that in the UK, the employer has to consult with representatives employees. So you're not suddenly going to get a letter in the post saying that your employer is no, no longer making contributions. Well, I'd say there is something employees can do. I mean, there, there, there are perfectly decent legal principles here. It's about established practice. If, if it is spelt out in your contract, you're entitled to a pension. And if any contribution basis is made, including the fact that employee contributions go in, then I think people would be perfectly entitled to challenge on breach of contract. Um, I think there's a very good legal point as well, which trade unions have brought up in recent years, called trying to define pensions as deferred pay, just as they cannot cut your pay without proper consultation and ultimately agreement, they cannot cut a pension. This is why it'll be so interesting to see what comes of these consultations, which we'll know about within sort of a couple of months' time. It will be seen by UK employees as a pay cut, but what actuaries have said is that employers are quite careful now in how they word your contract and many won't actually say that they will definitely give you this particular percentage of your pay in a pension. They may just say that you have the right to join a pension scheme and that the employer has the right to define the terms of that. So we'll need to have a look at what happens at the end of these consultation periods. But for now, um, thanks very much, Elaine. And uh, for more on the possible changes to employers' pension schemes, you can read Elaine's investigation in FT Money with this weekend's FT. And remember, you can send in your questions on pensions or any other investments uh, for us to answer by emailing us at our new address, money at ft.com. Still to come, new ways to earn more interest on your savings. But first, unemployment insurance. Earlier this week, 76,000 job losses were announced in a single day at Chorus, General Motors, Philips and ING, among others, starkly demonstrating the threat to incomes now faced by employees of UK and international companies. But even those who have insured themselves against a loss of income are not fully insulated from the effects of the recession, as it's also emerged that insurers are now raising the premiums on unemployment cover by more than 20 to 25%. So Josephine Cumbo went to the Association of British Insurers to ask Nick Kerwin how the industry can justify such sudden increases. The good news is that interest rates are falling as well. And so if people are looking at their overall outgoings for their mortgage 
commitments, then that may be something that would help them. But I would say this cover is very important at the moment. But how can insurers justify imposing price rises? At this time, it's pretty critical for everybody. The very straightforward reason is that insurers are seeing a huge increase in unemployment claims coming through and that's a a good thing for consumers because it means that these products really do work uh, and the products are supporting people when people lose their jobs. We've just seen the figures for November. Insurers have seen a significantly more than 100% increase in unemployment claims. That's in uh, percentage terms, though, but in absolute terms, it's only really about 10,000 claims, isn't it? And there's millions of these policies in force. So is that really enough to justify a 20% increase in the cost of cover for everybody who pays for a policy? Insurers obviously believe it is. I mean, the mortgage payment protection insurance, uh, standalone products, it's a very competitive market. And if we see a very significant increase in the number of claims, then that is likely to go through into an increase in premiums. But the industry is facing a number of challenges, and it's not just consumers, but there's also the challenges of a possible ban on the sale, a point of sale of single premium PPI and banks are pulling away already. We've seen that with the FSA pressure. So how much are consumers paying for the wrongs of the industry with these increases? Well, I don't believe that's that's happening at all. This is purely to do with the increase in the number of claims that we're seeing these pricing increases coming through. I'd say, again, it's very important that people do keep their policies going wherever they can. If they do uh, shop around, people just need to be very clear about what the replacement cover would offer them because some policies may have an exclusion period at the beginning for unemployment cover. It, It may well be that if they work in certain industries that that cover may not be readily available. So I think the advice would be to do try and keep that existing policy in force. That is likely to give you more cover than a replacement if you do shop around, just be very careful about what, what you're buying and make sure it's like for like. And what about getting cover? If you don't have cover now and you're working in a sector that is seeing redundancies, is it easy to get cover? Well, if you're in a, a sector where um, there are redundancies, then getting cover is going to be more difficult than it's been in the past. And, of course, if you already under notice that uh, you may lose your job, then that won't be insured if you, if you take out a policy. I mean, this is quite an important point, isn't it? It's about prior knowledge. If you do have prior knowledge of a known event, for example, redundancy, the policy won't pay out. But exactly what is prior knowledge? Well, prior knowledge is exactly what it says. I mean, if you, if you know that you're likely to do, lose your job, then your insurance policy isn't going to cover you. Would that mean a letter from your boss or would it just mean having an awareness in your firm, for example, that um, things aren't going very well and this talk of redundancies? It may be a letter from your boss, but it may also be where there's public information. So things may have been reported in, in the press about firms being in trouble. So it could, it could take a number of different forms. But that's pretty wide, you know, open to interpretation, isn't it, for, I guess, an insurer to take a view on what prior knowledge was. Is that, it's not really consumer-friendly. Well, most people, I think, take a, a very deep interest in their employer and how well their employer is doing and how likely they people are to lose their job if, if their employer is in a difficult position. Provided people don't know that they're going to lose their job, then they can rely on their insurance to cover them. And the evidence so far is that these policies are, are doing what they say they will do on the tin for people who are losing their jobs, that they are paying out. 
Yes, we've absolutely no evidence to show that, uh, that that's not the case. These policies are, are safe. They pay out when people need them to. That's a good thing because these products really are supporting people through these difficult economic times. That was Josephine Cumbo talking to Nick Kerwin at the ABI. Um, Steve, do you think that this unemployment insurance is worth paying for given these price rises? Well, Matthew, as I think you know, I think most insurance is overpriced. I think given the price rises, this is the classic of um, insurers raising the price when you're most likely to need it. So I suspect it will be quite expensive for some people. If you've already got it, of course, and it's affordable, it's, you know, it's not stretching your income, then it may be worth hanging on for the next few months, given, you know, this is, as we hear, this is likely to be a dreadful year for redundancies and so on. But if you don't think it's a good idea to buy a new policy now, given the, the price rises, well, what are the alternatives that people have in terms of protecting themselves against the possibility of a job? Well, loss? the obvious alternative is work for an employer that if it did make you redundant, um, I, you became unemployment as a result of that, it would give you a decent redundancy uh, deal. And, and many listeners will be in that situation. Many listeners will be working for unionised employers and unions, if you like, are a form of unemployment insurance, i.e. they tend to to fight redundancies and seek better terms when people do lose jobs. And the other obvious alternative, of course, is to effectively self-insure by having sufficient savings and not be so over-indebted that you can actually survive if your employer does decide to dispense with your services. I think that's the, that's the route that most people would like to take if they could uh, afford to do it. And uh, for more on unemployment insurance and whether or not it's worth paying for, you can read uh, Josephine's article in this weekend's FT Money and online at ft.com forward slash money. You can also now listen to audio reports on FT Money stories throughout the week at ft.com forward slash money, which we then repeat in this weekly omnibus show. And finally today, savings rates. Uh, with the Bank of England base rate at an all-time low and the average interest rate on instant access accounts now just 0.8%, getting a decent return on your cash is becoming increasingly difficult. So a new auction website, which invites UK-authorised banks to bid for your money by offering higher and higher interest rates, sounds like an interesting new development. It's called maxbips.com, but how exactly does it work and how safe is it? To find out, I spoke to Managing Director Aloysius Fichetti. Maxbips is, is an online auction site for uh, term deposits. Uh, very simply, uh, an individual or a company with uh, surplus cash can uh, go onto the site, specify uh, an amount and the term that it's available for, and basically run an auction. Uh, it's effectively a marketplace where uh, an individual can get different rates from different financial institutions for their money. So if I'm a depositor and I'm looking down the high street, I'm not terribly attracted by the rates on offer from banks and building societies. Why would I come to your site? Would it be able to offer me anything better? Certainly. One of the things that we feature on our site are interest rates that aren't uh, publicly quoted. These are time deposit or term deposit rates, which are generally uh, uh, referenced to money market rates, uh, and they change from day to day. Uh, so what we provide are, are those rates which, which the banks have provided us, uh, and you get those quotes, uh, which would otherwise would be very difficult for you to do and time-consuming for you to do. So you simply go to this one site, you get the different rates, and you can evaluate those rates and, and pick the one that you may like. So it's 
It's banks and uh, other institutions bidding for your money. Um, what sort of banks are we talking about? Are these um, regulated by the FSA, authorised to do business here? Definitely. Uh, we only deal with uh, FSA-authorised banks uh, in the UK. Your, your money is always uh, going to a financial institution. In fact, we don't handle your money. We simply provide the introduction to the bank, and then you ultimately place your m- cash with, with, the, with the bank. So you would be dealing with UK FSA-authorised financial institutions. And just to give an idea of the sorts of names we're talking about, if I were to go onto the MaxBip site and, let's say, uh, put up £50,000 and ask for, for bids, uh, for interest rate bids on that uh, money, what sort of names might bid? Well, as you pointed out, it does depend on the kind of deposit you're placing, so the amount or the term. There's various different factors that will affect what kind of rates that you will get and who you'll get them from. But you will get rates from uh, some of the high street banks to some of the mid-tier banks. Uh, you know, for example, Bank of Ireland, uh, you, you could get a bid. You could get a bid from, from uh, smaller financial institutions and even some building societies. And just finally, there are other online exchanges out there that um, match people who have money that they want to deposit, if you like, with borrowers who want to borrow that money. Um, How does your particular model for MaxBips differ from those exchanges? Well, I think it differs quite fundamentally. Your money goes to a financial institution, a, 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 an FSA-authorized bank. So these are term deposits. Uh, these, th- this isn't lending as such uh, to an, 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 another individual. So the whole issue of risk is completely different. As FSA-authorized institutions, these will be covered by the standard uh, deposit guarantees. And again, on max bips, you are always in full control of where your money goes. You decide you know, which bank it goes to ultimately, uh, if it goes to any bank at all. That was Aloysius Fekete of MaxBips.com. So, Matthew, are the rates any good on this um, price comparison service or well, that, auction service? Well, I think that's the, that's the point. It depends how many banks actually bid in any given auction. Um, I, I ran some auctions this week, the point being that there's no obligation to deposit your money because I was, I was auctioning off. Damn, the, I was going to offer you half a percent. <laughs> but I, I ran an auction for £50,000 um, for 12 months' term, so uh, just like a one-year bond. And the best bid was 4.6%, now, which is in line with the best one-year bonds on the high street. I think you can get 4.65 at the moment from uh, ICICI Bank and 4.6 from one of the Irish banks. However, when I ran auctions for other amounts over other terms, the rates were not so competitive. Uh, in some cases, they were well below what you can get from a high street bank because not that many banks bid on the auction website. Is it also because the service is taking a commission that's coming, effectively coming out of the rates? Well, the, uh, the banks pay a, pay a fee to use this particular um, auction service and then they pay an additional amount, which is, depends on the amount of money that they take in. So, yes, they must be making some form of calculation as to how cost-effective it is for them to go and seek deposits in this way, which will influence the amount they bill, I expect. So there's no real difference between this and any other price comparison site where you just search for the best rate? 
It works in a very similar a similar way. What Max Bips claims is that the rates that can be bid on the auction are not public rates that aren't available on the high street, that they're more like money market rates. That was the case in some of the auctions I ran, but you do have to use both a comparison site and this, I think. Well, Matthew, I've been looking at index-linked savings accounts this week as an alternative. Now, not surprisingly, they don't look a great bet at the moment with uh, consumer prices falling and fears of deflation and so on. I don't suppose they came up in your service, did they? Well, no, they didn't. And uh, I think it's a good point that you make about index-linked accounts and when a good time to start one yes. might be. Uh, because uh, they could be quite attractive as inflation falls. Yes, we were, we were discussing this earlier this week, weren't we? I mean, many people went into these last autumn when the headline RPI was high, but people aren't, aren't with any of these accounts, actually locking into the inflation rate at that point. What they're doing is starting to get a return based on inflation over their forthcoming savings term. So what, it, what's really important is what happens savings. So, so in theory, you actually want to go in when inflation or is low or indeed deflation Inflation has happened and prices are picking up again, which is why, of course, many experts are, now, uh, are suggesting now that it may even be worth coming out of the accounts that you went into before, waiting until we get inflation bottoming out, deflation, and then the expected resurgent inflation because of all these government spending, um, and then getting in there and then picking up on those, uh, on those returns. And uh, the interest rate you would get would be several percentage points above the RPI with these accounts? Yes, the RPI link is is. RPI, i.e. the measure of inflation over the forthcoming term, plus up to, currently you can get up to 2%. There have been as high as up to 2.6% over RPI, although the main offering that's still out there is, of course, the established one from National Savings and Investments, the government-owned bank, where you only get 1% over RPI, albeit tax-free. So definitely worth keeping an eye on inflation over the next few months. Uh, And for more on savings auctions and indeed index-linked savings accounts, look out for the articles in FT Money this weekend. But that's all for this week's FT Money show. Remember that you can email your views and your questions to our new address, money at ft.com. And you can also now read the latest news every weekday on our website, ft.com forward slash money. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from Charlene, Steve and Elaine. Goodbye. Goodbye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.